You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Good morning, listeners, and welcome back to Real Presence Live. I am your host, Blake Riddeman, broadcasting live from Fargo, North Dakota, uh, throughout the whole RPR network. Really appreciate your time with me this morning. Um, very great conversation with uh, Karen Barbieri, the founder of Pietra Fitness, uh, talking about um, exercise of the body and how exercising the body with our souls and and working with that together. So really appreciate her time. Again, you can go to realpresenceradio.com to check out uh, all of our conversations this morning and from past shows, realpresenceradio.com. In the final segment here of Real Presence Live, we are going to be speaking with David Bonagura, um, the author of Jerome's Tears, Letters to Friends in More morning, a book from Sophia Press Institute. Good morning, David. Good morning, Blake. Thanks for having me. You bet. It's great to have you on. And David, uh, you're from the Archdiocese of, of New York. Uh, you're a teacher of classics um, at the Regis High School in the Archdiocese. But tell us a little bit about, about yourself, your background, and kind of the inspiration for this book. Sure. I am a Latin teacher of 20 years. I also teach uh, theology and ancient Greek on a, the latter on occasion. I've taught at Regis High School, Kellenberg Memorial High School, St. Joseph's Seminary, where I'm currently also an adjunct professor. I also teach theology online for Catholic Distance University. Uh, I do some writing pretty regularly for the Catholic Thing and Catholic World Report websites. But I found St. Jerome when I was doing my graduate thesis for classics, and I was looking for a topic, and someone had suggested this to me. And Jerome's Jerome is well-known for being one of the greatest Latin pro stylists who's ever picked up the pen, up there with Cicero and Erasmus. Jerome is in the top three, perhaps the top five. Hmm. And so I was looking at these books, and in these, these letters in particular are, no, are celebrated widely, and I was working on for the thesis. Like, how does Jerome use Virgil and Horace hmm. and Cicero and other classical authors whom he loved, and we know that from his own personal letters, and so I looked at that in particular, but I'm reading these letters of translation and saying to myself, wow, these are really good. You know, it'd be cool if we can get these into English and let people just read them rather than have them in the big dusty tome with two-column Latin, a thousand-page book that was published 200 years ago that I used for the use of my thesis and then as a basis to translate these letters. So of the ten consolatory letters, I chose the seven best of them, and they're arranged in chronological order with an introduction to Jerome that I wrote for, concerning Jerome's thought, his life, and his approach to these letters in particular. They're in a volume called Jerome's Tears that's just released today from Sophia Press. Awesome. So when I think of St. Jerome, I think of a... Uh, uh, St. Jerome, please pray for me, but a, a crotchety old man <laughs> that well, was, exactly very, right. <laughs> was very enthralled with truth, love scripture, you know, ignorance of scripture, ignorance of Christ, just, um, you know, he had some, I believe there's some letters between him and St. Augustine that, you know, basically arguments in, in pen, <laughs> you know, writing back and forth of, of particular things. So to hear, I think it's so fascinating, so beautiful that you chose letters to friends and mourning, which is one probably the most vulnerable times, I dare say, in a person's life when they're mourning the loss of a loved one. And here's St. Jerome, who, you know, quite truthfully is, is just, he's very honest and very to the point and very um, truth 
you know, and, but to find a way in which he's speaking truth in love to people. So I think that's so fascinating. So speak a little bit about that, how St. Jerome's softer side, if you will, he's still himself and speaking in truth, but doing it in love in this very vulnerable time. Yes. St. Jerome is, is not one to mince words, that's for sure. He's very direct. And people ask me, so have you, you got to do a, a sequel to this, to this book? And, which, and the answer to this question kind of explains exactly what you're saying. But Jerome was known for, especially in his letters, he, and when we're talking about letters for Jerome, we're talking about basically the, the modern essay. He's mm. similar in form to the way Paul's letters to the Corinthians and Romans and so on in the Bible are in, in terms of length and style. Well, in some of these letters, he's, he's arguing for points of Scripture or arguing for points of uh, dogma, and he minces no words, and he's not afraid to uh, to mix it up a little bit. Particularly, the most perhaps the most famous one is when he defends to the hilt the dogma of the perpetual virginity of the Blessed Mother against the guy by the name of Rufinus. So I thought maybe I could entitle those that translation about Jerome's thunder. <laughs> that really encapsulates who he is. But even in these volumes where he's consoling and comforting, and he does, in fact, do that, but he also, he still doesn't mess around. He's not looking yeah. to indulge anyone in his or her mourning. In fact, on almost every occasion of seven letters, he's urging the recipient, the bereaved, to, not to, I don't want to say to move on, because that's, that's a little too callous, and that's not what he's trying to do, but to now see this as an opportunity to move past the mourning, and in one particular, his old friend Paula from Rome, he chides her pretty strongly. Says, "Look, you got to move on. You're you're mm. now taking this morning too far, to the point where it's not fitting for a woman who's devoted to Christ to be so morose over the loss of her daughter." Mm. And so he challenges Paula and others to say, "Look, now is the time. You you've been given a new opportunity in the spiritual life with the passing of this person." And in the book, we have passings of spouses of children of a nephew and of friends. And in all those cases, this now is a new opportunity. God is calling you to something new. So discern what it is. It could be to a more ascetic lifestyle. It could be to devoting more money and time for the poor. In the case of Julian, who lost both his wife and two of his daughters in a period of a year, he urges Julian to go ahead and go all the way to become a monk. My goodness. So he's, yeah, he's, he, doesn't, he doesn't mess around, Jerome. He's... Uh, he, provides the tenderness and comfort where it's needed, but he doesn't want to leave us there. Yeah. He's not trying to indulge our sorrow. He's trying to take us from the sorrow that we feel on a human level and place it to the realm of faith with, with Christ and the resurrection. Yeah, and I, I, right there, I think, is the important point, because he's so, um, you know, not wanting to keep us there in the morning, but to move on. There's hope in the resurrection of Christ, that Christian death means something it's a beautiful thing that leads us, because of the resurrection of Christ, um, leads us to eternity. It's the door in which we have to take. So speak a little, you know, in your reflections on these these letters, I'm sure as you, you translate, it's very an intellectual exercise and, you know, getting things right. But I'm sure you've had some time to really either pray pray with them or to see what is what is Jerome saying. And what have you found in just the reality of Christian death? And how, how does it speak to us today, the reality of Christian death and the hope of the resurrection? That's a great question. The, you know, Christ transcends time, of course, and so does the message of the resurrection. And therefore, that's sort of Jerome's letters, because they, they're they written to a specific person at a specific time. But nevertheless, 
I think this is where we today can profit from reading the book, is that all of us mourn at some point, hmm. and we all go through the similar types of experiences of loss and grief, and in and asking God, you know, trying to discern God's presence within that passing, whether it be the passing of you know a 90-year-old parent or grandparent, or the passing of a 9-year-old child, or anywhere hmm. in between. We're so often trying to find God in that experience, and that's exactly what Jerome seeks to help us do here. And in particular, he does it in such a way that is unique. He has a line from Scripture. The letters just overflow with letters from Scripture, <laughs> quotes, images. It's really extraordinary. Old Testament, New Testament, people and passages you've never heard of, others you've heard of, you know, the story of the rich man and Lazarus, for instance, Job, uh, King David. There's ones you've heard of and ones you haven't. It's really amazing mm. how the Word of God is, for Jerome, the center of the spiritual life. And through his use, in, you know, even though we don't know the people who died, it's easy for us, by the power of our imaginations, to think of my Uncle Joe, my mm. neighbor Bill, and, uh, my Aunt Sally, and so on. You know, people whom we have known to have passed on, who, whose lives are reminiscent of the lives that Jerome is mourning and eulogizing here, where we we can find we can find some comfort from Jerome as we think back to the, some of the important figures of our own lives who have gone on before us, and we can realize that Jerome is speaking to us too. Yeah, yeah, and I I, I think of you know your, as you're describing Jerome's use of of scripture and uh, just the time he had spent with. With, with the Lord through the scriptures, how it just permeates his being. Like, it's not like he was writing this letter and then he's like, oh, this would be a great spot for this quote from St. Paul or a great spot for Job. So, you know, it just, it oozed out of him. Exactly. Um, that just, that's who he was, you know, and how he used the words of scripture as a, as a comfort for others. Um, and so... So what, what was his relationship with these these people he was writing to? How did he get to know them? Um, we have about two minutes till of our break, but what is a how did these subjects get uh, are introduced into his life, and why did he feel like hey, I got to write a letter to this person? Most of them were his personal friends. Now Jerome spent the second half of his life in the Holy Land. He's mm-hmm. a monk living in uh, Nazareth, in fact, where oh Bethlehem, excuse me, Bethlehem, where close to where Jesus was born, and he did the bulk of his work of compiling what we now call the Vulgate, the Latin edition of the Bible. There, in addition to translating, he was also writing commentaries on the different books of the Bible, particularly the Old Testament. And people from all over the world sought his advice on, hey, what is this scripture passage? Mm-hmm. What is that scripture passage? So most of them are our friends, but one is interesting. Of the seven, there's one to, to a woman, Theodora, whom Jerome never met. She lost her husband, Lucinius. They lived in Spain. And they were very devoted to the scriptures, and they were going to travel to the Holy Land to see Jerome to purchase some volumes of, because all those days books were very, very rare. They were handwritten, mm-hmm. and uh, they were hard to get and expensive. They were going to go do that, and they were going to study the scriptures with Jerome. And then Lucinius died suddenly, so Jerome never got to meet him, and he never got to meet Theodora. But nevertheless, mm-hmm. he sent a letter to her, asking, you know, expressing his sympathy and saying that you know because of your and particularly because of Lucinius's devotion to the Lord and devotion to the Scripture, he now is sharing in the reward of Christ as a result of the time he spent on this earth devoted to him and to the study of his Word. Mm, Beautiful. That's awesome. And I I just love just because as I started out beginning this segment, how, you know, Jerome is, you know, he's 
he's true the truth and he just to the point but to see that the heart and see that man, he loved the lord and he loved the truth and he you know within that speaking truth to this person uh we're speaking with uh, david bonagora the author of jerome's tears which comes out today uh from sophia institute press we're going to take a quick break on the other side of the break we're going to continue our conversation of this book jerome's tears thank you for listening to real presence live we'll be right back Live, engaging, and local, this is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. At the University of Mary, we offer an education for the whole of life. Our values-based, flexible, and affordable education will prepare you for success and help you become a leader in your field. Whether you want to start your degree for the first time or continue your education, whether you are a working professional or want to pursue school full-time, join us for an education that will help you make a positive impact in our community. Discover the Mary difference. UMary.edu. That's UMary.edu. This is Father Anthony Craig from the Diocese of Duluth. I really want to thank my parents today for giving me the faith of Jesus Christ and teaching me the ways of prayer, praying over us uh, when we were sick, showing us uh, self-sacrifice. My father actually was a deacon, a permanent deacon in the church, and he would bring us along as kids, because there were six of us kids, and he would bring us along to hospital visits or to work in the food shelf and doing all these various things for people in the community. And I learned ways of serving others through that, through watching my dad. And then my mom, she also was very self-sacrificial of herself. She wore the same pair of tennis shoes for about 10 years to show us that she didn't care about herself as much as the rest of us. And we got new shoes for every school year. We had all of what we needed and most of what we wanted. And the, the Lord really provided a, a great example in my parents to show me the way to really Christian servitude and prepared me for the priesthood. Let us run to Mary and as her little children cast ourselves in our arms with a perfect confidence. St. Francis de Sales. Join together with families across the local area for the Rosary, nightly here on Real Presence Radio. On Wednesday through Monday nights, tune in at 8 p.m. Central and on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. Central. Gather the whole family together and pray this powerful prayer with us. Join us for the Rosary Wednesday through Monday at 8 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Central here on the RPR Network. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. And welcome back to Real Presence Live. I'm your host, Blake Ridderman, broadcasting from Fargo throughout the whole RPR network in the upper Midwest. Thank you for taking some time today uh, to listen. You can go to realpresenceradio.com if you missed any of the conversations or were edified by a particular topic and like to hear more, realpresenceradio.com. We have all of our podcasts uh, listed on there and uploaded on a regular basis. We're continuing our conversation with David Bonagura, the author of Jerome's Tears, uh, Letters to Friends in Mourning from Sophia Institute Press, who comes out today. Uh, so it's a great conversation that we're having. Um, and what is your favorite letter that uh, Jerome ha- has written in, in this book, Jerome's Tears? They're arranged in chronological order, and over the time which they were written, I believe this span goes from 389 
to 412. So it's quite the, the period of time that goes by there. There's certain features of style maybe that overlap. We could talk about that if you, you're interested. But I think my favorite one is, is the very first one to his friend Paula. Paul Jerome had spent years in Rome of four years where he was the personal secretary of Pope Damasus. And he was basically like the, the spiritual director for a group of women studying the scriptures and trying to live a holy life. So this has been in the 380s AD. Mm-hmm. And so he's now in the Holy Land. Paula's daughter, Blasilla, has just died. And I mentioned her before in the first half of the show. She is, he believes, Jerome, that Paul is taking her mourning too far. So he's trying to, with examples from Scripture, he's trying to say, look, this is how, this is proper mourning, and this is excessive mourning, and you're now in the excessive range. Mm-hmm. Your excess shows a lack of faith in Christ. But then at the very end of the letter, he puts on the lips of Blasilla, Paula's daughter, in heaven, addressing her mother, saying, Mother, why is it that you weep for me? Here I am with our mother, the Blessed Mother. Here I am with Anna, the prophetess from the temple. I am in paradise. There's no reason to mourn for me. In fact, it's I who mourn for you, who still carry on in the Valley of Tears. Please trust that I am with the Lord, and that there's no reason for you to worry or mourn any longer. It's really very powerful. Yeah, and I I just, I wonder, um, the fruits of that, you know, the reception of that letter uh, to this person, and what that did in her life. I, I doubt we have, you know, their reaction to it or, or what have you, but I, I, I dare say that there is definitely some fruit that bore from that. Yeah, I don't think that, I don't think we, there's any way for us to know, but I mean, one way we could tell the impact of these letters is that they've been copied over and over and over again. In order for them to get from the year 389 to us in the year 2023, for up until the year, till the printing press was invented around the year 1500, they all these letters were copied by hand. So mm-hmm. it was, and again, it was expensive and laborious. In order, to, if, if something was going to be copied, it had to have been worth it. And <laughs> yeah. these letters were deemed worth it through Christ because of Jerome's message to you know to those people. It's more than just speaking to those people. It's he's speaking to the people who were copying those manuscripts so many hundred years ago. And he's speaking to us who are now printing them through the internet and other things. Yeah, uh, you know, fifteen hundred, six hundred years later. Yeah, and I, I'm kind of curious. You know, I've never spoken to someone that translated. You know, a great work such as this. You know what? Uh, what goes into translating? You know a work like this <laughs> to, to translating in English, you know, cause you know, Latin has changed over, over time. And, you know, there was this particular period in the, you know, the fourth century where this was written. Um, obviously as a, as a scholar, you, you kind of knew that, but I'm sure Jerome had his own flavor in certain things too. So it, what was your preparation like, and what was the experience like of just translating this, these letters? It was definitely difficult for a couple of reasons. Number one is if Jerome's thought, as all Latin thought, is very concise. Those writing in Latin can express, say, in 10 words what we in English need 25 words mm. to say. So, And he does, does it so beautifully. So the challenge for me as a translator is how can I make Jerome's words sing in English and yet still be faithful to the mm. words that he himself has chosen? So just one, for instance, is that Latin, Jerome being no exception, prefers the passive voice. Mm-hmm. The, the battle is fought by me, as opposed to, in English, we prefer the active voice. So it's translating some of those, as often as possible, trying to move things 
into the active voice from the passive, mm-hmm. and then yet again still remain faithful to whatever he's trying to say. The other part that is challenging is his introductions to these letters are extraordinarily difficult. <laughs> the, the thoughts are so compressed, and his it uses so many rhetorical questions. They were that was the hardest part of almost every letter was translating the opening salutation, yeah. which is filled with lots of different images and other things. Yeah, I'm, uh, at the at the beginning there, you're describing kind of because as a as a reader, an English reader now like myself, you you know, reading should be there should be a certain pleasure in it within the you know the beauty of the language, but also the beauty of the content as well. And you don't want to sacrifice content for beauty or or vice versa, if you will. So I'm sure it was a, a challenge to kind of what it, what is Jerome saying here, and then to write it in which to be faithful, but also that there's certain beauty in it because the Lord's going to work through it. I mean, he, it's, the Lord's going to work through, through that, through the beauty of it, but also through the content that Jerome is, uh, that he's putting forth to these people. Exactly. And, and the content is, is, is first rate. The, the images that he uses, as we've talked about, the, the incorporation of scripture, but just the, and he also incorporates allusions from classical sources. So you'll, you'll find in the fine quotations from Virgil and Horace and a few other from, from the classical world, he's able to just, pull these images together in such a way that it, it really just, it's, it's, a, it's a, I would say it this way, it's not a book for the head mm. as much as it is a, as a book for the heart, yeah. that he's speaking to the heart. Not, you know, reading these books, you're, you're not going to receive a checklist of, okay, what are the five things I can say the next time I have to go to a wake? That's not <laughs> what this book is about. <laughs> the book is really about Jerome speaking to us in our grief as opposed to us learning how to counsel others and console others. I would look at it that way. Yeah, I guess what are, you know, from Jerome, from the wisdom of Jerome, what are some, a couple things that could help us, you know, in, in counseling or helping someone that's going through a particular time of a loss of a loved one? I think two things in particular. Number one is to place our hope in the resurrection of Christ. Like, in, like the thing on the cross, Christ has gone before us, and we no, need no longer fear death. death is, you know, he has taken away sting. So when we approach that, even though, of course, we do fear it on a human level, ne- nevertheless, we can do so knowing that Christ has conquered it and we will be, of, of ultimately, will be victors. The second thing I think Jerome advises is on a human level is to focus in on the gift we received in having this particular person in our lives for however mm. long, whether it be a child or a spouse, and rather than say, oh, why is it that I've lost this person so young? Jerome urges us to take the other perspective, that the, the, the fact that this person was in our lives in the first place was a gift from the Lord. Mm. And so we can thank the Lord in our grief rather than to focus on ourselves. We focus on the Lord, and there we find some kind of consolation and peace as well. Oh, beautiful. I can just... I can, you know, envision the orientation of like, instead of on you and like, oh, poor me, poor me, poor me. It's it's on the Lord and gratitude for the gift of this person, but also looking forward and hope. It's all in that orientation of looking towards the Lord. Uh, David Bonagura, thank you so much for your time and your labor of love. I hope it was a labor of love for you in, in translating yes, you. <laughs> in translating these these letters. The book is Jerome's Tears, Letters to Friends in Mourning, available today from Sophia Press Institute. Uh, God bless you, David, and your work, and thank you for your time today. Great. Thank you so much. God bless everyone. You bet. Um, uh, Aaron, what's going on on Thursday? Aaron is our board op uh, this morning, uh, faithfully running the show behind the scenes. Uh, what's going on on Thursday? On the next Real Presence Live, Thursday from 9 to 11 a.m. Central, your host will be Heather Carroll coming to you live from Sioux Falls, South Dakota. 
Her guests will include Madeline Shields, who will share information about the Bishop Dudley Hospitality House Sleepout in Sioux Falls, and Patrick McGuire and Father Eric Seitz will speak about the Fargo Diocese Musicians Workshop. All this and more will be coming to you on the next Real Presence Live Thursday from 9 to 11 a.m. Central. Back to you, Blake. Thanks so much, Aaron. Uh, appreciate you and, and putting these shows together. To, together, We had some great, uh, beautiful guests uh, this morning. Um, I was very uh, edified by just having the opportunity and the privilege to interview some of these people. Again, go to real, realpresenceradio.com and you can check out the podcasts um, to, to these conversations. We talked with Father Greg Bromlage, who's giving a mission October 23rd, 24th, and 25th in Gillette, Wyoming, uh, from the Missionaries of the New Evangelization. We, we spoke with Al Torres and his book, Persecuted from Within, um, Karen Barbie, Barbieri uh, from Pietra Fitness, and then we just finished up a conversation with David Bonagura, uh, author of Jerome's Tears, uh, translated letters from Jerome um, to friends that have just lost a loved one. So just a lot of great things uh, that we talked about this morning and really appreciate all of our guest time um, and, and being part of, of the show. Um, <clears throat> again, today is the Feast of St. Ignatius of Antioch. Um, just a great witness and early father of the church um, who went to his martyrdom joyfully and wrote some beautiful letters uh, to us about his faith in Christ in the face of death and uh, just really of encouragement and hope. Again, all in that orientation, folks, you know, we can either look at ourselves uh, within our grief or we can look towards uh, the Blessed Trinity and the, the gift of our lives. And uh, just really appreciate everyone's uh, listening today and everyone's time. Um, again, say yes to the Lord today. You won't regret it. May Mary, our mother, St. Joseph, and all the saints pray for you today as you grow closer to the most sacred heart of Jesus. God bless you. Until next time. Have a great day. This has been Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Real Presence Live brings you inspirational stories of faith and a look at the good and holy things happening in our local area. Weekday mornings from 9 to 11 Central. Tune in for an encore of each show beginning Saturday morning at 6. Get the podcast anytime of day or night at yourcatholicradiostation.com or on the Real Presence radio app. And remember, you can be a part of the conversation through Facebook and Twitter. Real Presence Live, local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network.